So in addition to what's going on in, in Brooklyn Center, you have the trial for Derek Chauvin. This, of course, George Floyd. And that trial, well, that trial has wrapped. And there are people who will tell you that the defense is doing just great. And then I've got people saying that the defense didn't have a good day. It, 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 I, I guess everything is in uh, the eye of the beholder. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, joins us right now. The mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And, you know, it's interesting. Different lawyers can see things in different ways. Of course, you have had a team following this case all 14 days of it so far it ends with the defense resting today Derek Chauvin not testifying asserting his fifth amendment rights I'd like for you to give us a look at the prosecution and a look at the defense and how you would grade both Uh, Well, I I think they actually both did pretty well the prosecution had the advantage of a large team and enormous resources behind it, not just the, the uh, regular prosecutors, but they had volunteer attorneys who were helping out from major law firms, helping out behind the scenes. So I think one thing that came across very clearly is the disparity in resources. You basically had um, Nelson, the defense attorney, doing it alone. Now, he did have some people behind the scenes helping him, but he had to examine all the witnesses And I really do think the defense would have been better served if they had an attorney for the trial who focused specifically on the medical evidence, because that's where Nelson was the weakest, the the defense attorney. So I think they were all very good. I thought the prosecutors were very good. I think that they were very good questioning. And I think Chauvin made the right decision not to testify, because I think these two prosecutors or whichever one of them would have asked the questions would have essentially tortured him on the witness stand. I mean, it would have been brutal. These are, these were very competent prosecutors. So I think they, they all did very well, but the disparity in resources, uh, I think, came across pretty clearly. Well, that's going to rub some people the wrong way in that, okay, this guy didn't have money for defense. Did he get a, a proper uh, defense? What was, as you see it, the key case of the prosecution, and what was the key case of the defense? Right. Well, I do think he got a, a legally sufficient defense, okay? Um, and he did have, I think his union is paying his legal fees, but, you know, he didn't have the whole team like the prosecutors did. Uh, the, the prosecutor's best piece of evidence is that videotape. It's the nine-minute videotape, where even if you can justify Uh, And I think you can Floyd being taken to the ground, being put in a prone position at some point. I think even the prosecution's use of force witnesses admitted um, that that was okay. But it's the length of time and the fact that Chauvin keeps the pressure on him. It's not quite knee to the neck like the media is saying, but kept the pressure on him even after he visibly stopped breathing. I mean, for a minute or two after that. Uh, it just there's just that length of time is brutal. And I expect that that tape will be showed or at least part of it will be showed in the closing arguments by the prosecution. That's their best piece of evidence that if you just turned him on his side or if you'd given him a little 
you know, more breathing room, so to speak, uh, you know, halfway through the nine minutes, he'd be alive. Uh, and so that, I think, is a really tough thing for the, the defense to overcome. I think they can justify a lot of what was done, but it's those extra three to four, three to five minutes that are going to be a real problem. The part of the point of view from the uh, defense point of view, I think their strongest thing is essentially that Chauvin did nothing that in and of itself um, would have uh, killed a normal, healthy person and that he couldn't have known that there were all these drugs in the system, that he had a bad heart, all these other things. So his use of force was objectively reasonable, even if that reasonable use of force on this particular person resulted in heart failure. So uh, I think that's the defense point of view. And I think they scored a lot of points on the use of force experts that really you're getting down to this three to four minutes out of the nine minutes where it becomes questionable. And remember, at least in theory, the defense only needs to raise reasonable doubt as to the cause of death, the role that the knee on the back was. I think this notion that his knee was on the neck for nine minutes, I think that's been completely debunked by the prosecution's own witnesses, that for the most part, the knee was on the upper shoulder across the back of the neck. It, it was not pushing on the blood supply to the brain for any considerable period of time. Uh, they started the case by calling witnesses saying this was the equivalent of a, I forget what they call it, a blood choke or something like that, where you cut off the carotid artery and you deprive the brain, brain of oxygen and everything else shuts down. But their own medical witness, the key, the key medical witness for the prosecution said that's not what caused the death that there's no evidence of that. There's no physical evidence of it, and that's not what happened. The prosecution theory is you kept him in a position that made it difficult, if not impossible, for him to breathe in and out. So, you know, if I were the defense, I would get up there and I'd say, here's what they said in the opening statement. Here's what their, you know, for four, first five days of trial, they had one theory, which was cutting off the, the flow of blood, and now they've switched and you don't get to pick and choose. And if you've got if and if you're tossing a coin here, that's reasonable doubt. So that's what I would do if I were the defense. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. You should check it out. Be a part of, of the foundation. Do the whole thing. Uh, I agree with you uh, being the outsider looking in. Of course, Chauvin should not have, have uh, testified. I, I can't recommend uh, anybody uh, testifying uh, in, in their own case. When it comes to this prosecution, I, following so, some others, as I had, and a whole bunch of people, that maybe the prosecution didn't create enough of an opportunity of uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Maybe they gave some reasons uh, to think that uh, Chauvin uh, had, had, has the case going in his favor. Will we see anything like that when it comes to what charge they find Derek Chauvin guilty of? Because I agree that they will find him guilty of something. There's a second degree uh, murder charge, there's a third degree murder charge, there's the manslaughter opportunity. As you see it, which one is it going to be? 
you know, if, if I had to bet, I'd say it, they're going to convict him of manslaughter. I forget the specific wording of the statute, but it's essentially, you know, if you in a grossly negligent way put somebody in a position that, um, you know, death is reasonably foreseeable, that um, you're guilty, even if you didn't intend it to happen. And I think that's what it's going to be. The, the second degree murder uh, is not as many people are saying intentional. It has nothing to do with intent. It's basically a felony murder charge that you kill somebody unlawfully in the course of committing another crime. And I don't know what that other crime would be here. Um, you know, some sort of unlawful assault. But the defense use of force witnesses have already said that it was OK to take him to the ground and it was OK to put him in the prone position. Uh, and I think for that murder charge, you have to have a completely separate crime. So if you kill somebody, you're holding up a, a bank, okay? Um, and, you know, in the course of holding up the bank, which is a crime, you end up murdering somebody. That could be felony murder or something like that. Um, so I don't, I don't see a felony murder charge here if it's a reasonable jury. Um, the um, third degree uh, murder is really been, um, it's very similar actually to the manslaughter charge. It's, it's not an intentional killing of somebody, but it's a higher degree, if you will, of culpability, a higher degree of, of knowledge and foresight. Um, and it used to be up until a few months ago that you could not convict someone of third degree murder if you, the grossly, neg grossly dangerous act was directed at one person. So traditionally in Minnesota, third degree murder was essentially the equivalent of firing a gun into a crowd. Okay, it's an inherently dangerous act um, with a likely cause of death, but it, you just kind of fired it into a crowd, not directed it at one person. Okay, if you're directing it at one person, that would be a different sort of murder charge. And they uh, changed the law, basically. The Minnesota Supreme Court said, yes, you can have third degree murder, even if directed at a single person. So that was originally thrown out by the trial judge, and the appeals court reinstated it. And so the judge was forced to reinstate it. So uh, I think it's probably the manslaughter. I mean, I think that probably is accurate. If there's a crime here, that that is an accurate sort of um, negligent homicide, uh, unlawful negligent homicide here. I would be now, surprised, you know, if he is found not guilty of all. Um, but, you know, I think there is a basis where if a jury wanted to find reasonable doubt, they can find reasonable doubt here. Um, but it's not what I'm expecting. So this is unlike we file. We followed every day many years ago, the uh, George Zimmerman case for the killing of uh, Trayvon Martin. And we did right. the same thing, live blogging it every day, extensive analysis. And when that thing went to the jury in the Trayvon Martin case, I was saying there is no way a rational jury can find guilt here that the the elements of a lawful self-defense are so clear and so overwhelming uh, that there's no way we can you can get a guilty verdict, and and there wasn't. Here, I'm not feeling that way. I mean, here, Chauvin has a problem, which is if he had just brought George Floyd to the ground, I think that's justified. If he had just laid him out um, for a short period of time, I think that's justified. Um, if he had then turned him on his side so he could breathe easier, we wouldn't be here today. I mean, so it's that that extra you know, three to five minutes that I think is probably going to get him convicted. Now I'm going to take you out of the legal and...
put you in uh, the political observer category. Is the city of Minneapolis ready for what happens when people hear guilty of manslaughter and think that's not good enough? Well, I don't I don't know that the city of Minneapolis is ready for what's going to hit. I don't know if many cities are ready for what's going to hit because the media has committed malpractice here, as have the activists and frankly, as have the prosecutors. The concept that there was a knee to the neck for nine minutes has been disproven by the prosecutor's own witnesses at the trial. The, the videotape does not actually show that, particularly when you view it from other angles. OK, it's a classic example. Um, it may have been excessive use of force. He maybe shouldn't have had pressure on his back and chest for that long. But the concept of the knee to the neck that we hear every single day over and over again is not factually correct. Okay, Uh, and the prosecution's own witnesses have acknowledged that Uh, and their cause of death by their expert witnesses is not the knee pressure to the neck. It is the overall restraint of him um, in the prone position with weight on his back. Um, which made it impossible for him to inhale. That's the cause of death, according to their, it's not the cutting of blood to the neck. So I don't think the, any municipality is ready because the, the general public, and particularly the public who wants a conviction here, is convinced of something that's not true, that there was a knee to the neck for nine minutes. And I think that the media uh, has played a part in this, as they always do. And I think that anything short of conviction on all counts is going to erupt in rioting. And on that, you're more. 